0: Welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a research podcast from the University of Arkansas. My name is Harden Young, and I'm a writer here at the university. Today, I'd like to welcome Kevin Merak, Assistant Professor in the Department of Health, Human Performance, and Recreation. Merak's research broadly pertains to adult skeletal muscle mass regulation in the context of exercise, aging, and beyond. Less than a year into his first tenure-track position, Murak's work has been featured in The New York Times, The Scientist, Discover, Men's Health, and Runner's World. Kevin Murak, welcome to Short Talks.
1: Yeah, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: First, I want to ask you uh, about your PhD. It's in human bioenergetics. I've never heard of that. Can you explain what that is?
1: I don't know if I can, actually, to be perfectly honest (laughs) with you. Uh, You know, uh, essentially, that degree... uh, the the human performance laboratory at ball State university is where I got my phd and that's the uh, the longest running human performance laboratory in America and um, it really had a focus on uh, skeletal muscle function and exercise physiology so i guess human bioenergetics in that context could be considered the confluence of those things. Um, it's basically just trying to understand how to um, improve human performance whether that's exercise performance or performance with aging uh you know improving, uh, you know, dysfunction with aging uh, through exercise, and so that's, uh, I guess, kind of the the way that I define it. Um, you know, it, it's not it's a fancy title for sure, but uh, in essence, though, I studied uh, I studied uh, muscle mass regulation and how to improve muscle performance. Uh,
0: how did you get interested in this field of study?
1: Mm, great question. Uh, you know, I was I was an athlete growing up, uh, not a very good one, but uh, I like to. You know, I played soccer. I played a little bit of basketball, some tennis, and then I started lifting weights uh, when I was in high school Uh, and just the, the how the muscle adapts to different types of stimulus and, uh, to different training regimes kind of captured my imagination. when I started lifting weights, you know, my muscles started getting bigger and I was like, how does that go? You know, like what's, what's, what's causing that exactly. So I started reading, you know, magazines, men's health, these different things, and those aren't the best resources necessarily, but, um, for certain things it's fine, but for other things, not so much. Uh, but those, uh, the process, the scientific, you know, things that happen, um, you know, the biological processes that happen in the muscle are kind of really what captured my imagination. And then I got to college and I took an anatomy class and started to understand more about muscle biology through that. And then, you know, chose exercise science as my major in college. And it kind of, that was the springboard on which, you know, my academic interest in skeletal muscle sort of took off. And then, you know, one thing leads to another, you get a master's degree in a related topic, you get a PhD, you go and do a postdoc for a number of years and kind of, you just kind of become more and more, more granular over time until eventually you're studying like one cell type and one gene or whatever the case may be. But, uh, but yeah, it, it kind of started just as a, a recreational interest that turned into a, a, an intellectual passion.
0: Yeah. I know aging is important to what you're researching. Is there any particular reason you moved into that?
1: Yeah. Aging affects everybody, right? Um, and it's interesting to study diseases. It's interesting to study different conditions, interesting to study athletes, of course. But at the end of the day, <laughs> We don't know how to solve aging, you know, like everybody goes through it, everybody dies. And, um, it's really, we're not trying to, you know, necessarily, I'm not super interested in extending lifespan per se, but I am interested in trying to improve people's lives and make them healthier for longer. And, uh, you know, I think improving muscle health is a big component of that. And, uh, that, you know, was kind of my motivation was, you know, what, what's, what's the greatest benefit and impact I can have on society through my research and aging seemed like a pretty obvious target. And also, I mean, you know, I'm still relatively young, but I am getting older and I am noticing things aren't functioning the same as they used to uh, after exercise with respect to my adaptation and my recovery and that process and how that's being disturbed is, is interesting to me. And maybe there's something that I can do, um, through my research that can help to, you know, improve my own performance in some ways. And so I guess those are sort of the things that, uh, that kind of drove me into, into that field. And I study a lot of different things, but aging is definitely one of my major, major foci right now.
0: Okay. That kind of sets up uh, my next question because uh, you recently co-authored a paper that pointed to uh, what you described as rejuvenating effects of exercise. Can you give us an overview of the work involved and specifically what your role in that research was?
1: Sure. Um, Well, this project was a a nice collaboration between the University of Kentucky Center for Muscle Biology, which is where I did my postdoc and where most of the experiments actually occurred, um, and the University of Texas Medical Branch and I have some great collaborators there: uh, Chris Fry, Stan Wadowich, You uh, and Wen, Andrea Demet Wiley. Um, we all got together on this project, and it was very collaborative. Um, you know, and the, the question really was, how can, if you exercise late in life, uh, what are what are the potential benefits of that, and how how much can we kind of turn back the quote unquote aging clock, specifically in skeletal muscle. Um, and so we had to develop a mouse model to answer this question. And uh, my colleague at Kentucky, Corey Dungan, developed this this mouse exercise model, and it was called Power Progressive Weighted Wheel Running. Power is the acronym, and we wanted to leverage that in older mice just to exercise mice towards the end of their life, and kind of use some biomarkers to get an idea of whether or not that the aging clock was kind of being reversed in the skeletal muscle. And we know that exercise at any point in your lifespan has you know myriad benefits. And we wanted to kind of drill down into something called epigenetics though, which is essentially how gene expression is controlled. We all have these different genes in our DNA and um, how they actually get expressed, how the genes get turned on and off uh, is condition dependent. And we kind of wanted to drill down into, okay, are there these, Epigenetic changes that happen in late life exercise that could potentially be reflective of uh, a younger skeletal muscle phenotype. So that was kind of the the question that was that was driving the research. And so we got together, we all my collaborators, we uh, we exercised some aged mice, and then we used this. These epigenetic um, biomarkers to to try and capture whether or not the aging process was being kind of slowed down or reversed at this level of epigenetics, and that's kind of what we found with the with the paper that we ended up publishing. It seemed like, at least with that kind of exercise in those mice, um, there was a, a, a sort of a quasi anti aging effect um, that was occurring at the epigenetic level um, with just you know eight weeks of exercise training in the mice, which. Um, you know, it's important to note that a mouse's lifespan is like two years. And so as far as the relative, um, amount of exercise, I mean, it's probably more like prolonged exercise in humans, but nevertheless, um, there was a seeming to be a sort of somewhat of a, an aging mitigation effect at the medi- epigenetic level. And we were the, uh, the first ones to kind of show that using this, um, specific tool that looks at aging specifically at the level of, of DNA methylation, which is an epigenetic mark.
0: And your specific role in this paper was like, what? Because I know that you, you'd mentioned at, in a previous conversation that a lot of the mouse work was done at Kentucky, but you have a molecular muscle mass regulation lab here where you do work. So yes. what's your end of this paper specifically,
1: if you can? Yeah, well, I, I wrote up the manuscript, I interpreted the data, I made the figures, basically, I, I kind of put it all together. Um, you know, a lot of the experiments, like I said, happened at Kentucky with my collaborators. But, um, you know, you win was our, our bioinformatics person and he was a co first author on this paper. Andrea Jeanette Wiley like coordinated the project and she was, uh, you know, a big part of putting everything together. But I ultimately took the helm and uh and kind of finalized everything, put it all together and, and sort of made sense of that, all the data because it was a was a lot of data. (laughs) It was a lot of data in short paper. And so, um, you know, a lot of omics data is what they call it. So there was various omics data sets that we had to compile and put together and, and kind of make sense of, of what was going on. And and I did a lot of that work.
0: Uh, You also co-authored another paper that showed that muscle retains a cellular memory of prior training And I know you've got several other papers you put out recently, but one thing I think that people are going to be wondering about is do either or any of these papers tell us anything about the kind of exercise we should be doing or how often we should be
1: doing it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that the, the, the exercise model we use in mice is, you know, it's a unique model. The problem with, with exercise training mice is that they're, they're difficult to exercise train. They're not just gonna, you know, you can't set up a little gym in their cage and they'll just go periodically to, to lift weights. Or, or anything like that, you know? So we have to get creative. And so the, um, the exercise model, typically what we would do as a, as a surgical technique to, um, to, to, to stress the muscle in a way that was kind of akin to resistance training, but it was, it was still very different. I mean, we don't cut muscles out in order to get other muscles to adapt. We, you know, in humans, that's not what we do. We go to the, we go to the gym, we exercise. And so um, the, the model we developed was this um, high volume resistive training. And so I think the closest analog to it in humans could perhaps be something like concurrent training. So maybe something like CrossFit where you're combining modalities and endurance and resistance together, perhaps it's like heavy cycling for your quadriceps, or maybe like, you know, if you were a military person, you were walking really long distances, carrying a pack, maybe something like that. There's not a really a, a, quite a direct analog to, to, you know, but it is, but the adaptations that we see in the muscle are very similar to types, the types of things we see with like something like CrossFit where the muscle gets stronger, but more fatigue resistant. And really we kind of generate I guess an athlete, it's sort of like an athlete phenotype that we see in these mice. And so as far as the exercise prescription goes, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend to somebody that they put a backpack on and run 10 to 12 kilometers a night, you know, like that's not necessarily what we're saying, but I think it does say something about consistency. I mean, these mice were exercising every day, And I mean, as you get older, you need more rest in between um, exercise bouts in order to recover, but it does say something about being consistent. And I think it does say something about, um, you know, doing endurance and resistance training and how good that can be for you instead of just doing one modality. I mean, I personally do both. I exercise almost every day. And every other day is either resistance or, or kind of a cross training, endurance type of thing. And I think it's just important to, you know, fo- is focus focus. You want to walk into the, the later stage of your life with as much muscle mass as possible, because you're going to start ended up losing it. That's called sarcopenia, but you also want to focus on your heart. And I think all these systems are definitely integrated. So having, good cardiovascular health can be good for your muscle health and vice versa. And so um, I think it does tell something about that as well. I mean, but again, as far as being a direct analog, you know, between the mouse exercise sure. there kind of isn't one, but I mean, it definitely says something about, um, you know, being consistent with your exercise and in co- the benefits of combining modalities.
0: Kevin Murek, thank you for joining us on Short Talks.
1: Yeah, 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 thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun, I appreciate it. You betcha. Music for Short Talks from the
0: Hill was written and performed by local musician Ben Harris. For more information and additional podcasts, visit Arkansas Research. That's arkansalresearch.uark.edu, the home of science and research news at the University of Arkansas.